Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us. My name is Joe McGlinchey. I'm one of the producers for Million Dollar Mastermind. I'll be helping host this special edition with Larry today. Hi, Larry. Hey, how you doing, Joe? All good, all good. Thank you. As always, listeners, we'll delve deep into Larry's unique background and give you the chance to gain some insights on winning. Join us on an introspective journey as we explore the transformative journey that took Larry from being on food stamps to earning millions every single year. So, Larry, one of the things as a fan of podcasting is we always want to know that kind of spider bite, the moment that got you into podcasting. What was your first introduction to it? Podcasting? Yes. Well, I talked to so many. This is an outgrowth of what I do most of the time, which is talk to people that in my business, you know, and my business is winning, growth, compounding, entrepreneur, that type of thing. So I'm talking to financial services. I'm talking to people that run things. You know, as you get over the years, you still have the same amount of time, but you have more and more successful people that you wind up spending your time talking to because the Hopefully, the people you're talking to are more and more successful. <laughs> and so, and then there's more and more people that wish they had your time and the time of the person you're talking to, and they would just love to eavesdrop. And all of this, <laughs> I'll tell you, the spider bite moment was when I was coming up and I would go to conventions and manager meetings. And at the break, when we all would, you know, you're in a big hotel somewhere or whatever, then you go to the restaurant where they are. But everybody would look and see where the, the big people were. And if they couldn't get at that table, which you probably couldn't, is you wanted to get close so you could eavesdrop on what they were saying. You know, you always wanted to hear what the big guys are talking about. And usually it's nothing. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was the genesis of this idea of there's a lot of interest in eavesdropping. And then the other thing that uh, I had learned along the way that the secret, if there is a secret of success or the secret that leads you to all of the other secrets, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say that, but that's how I would say it. The secret that leads you to the real millions of secrets that you need to know to be successful, because you have all kinds of different things you do. One secret's not going to work in everything. And so- the big secret is spending time listening to people who are already at the point you want to be, or they're much closer than you are. And, you know, the people are already up the ladder. They've traveled the road. They've made the experiments. And it's the root of it, Joe, is that trial and error is the greatest teacher. Unfortunately, the tuition is too high. If you uh, want to become a brain surgeon on trial and error, there's going to be a lot of dead bodies along the way <laughs> before you figure out how what you should be doing. So if you can piggyback off of the trial and error of other people, now that's the sweet spot right there. You can benefit from all of their experiences because people who are successful have made a ton of mistakes. <laughs> and if they're telling you, you know, here's how we do this, here's how you look at that. It's because they probably tried 14 other ways and got their nose bloodied. And so <laughs> You're always happy to talk about what you finally figured out works. And rarely do you find people that want to hang on to their secrets. 
where you enjoy other people going out there doing stupid things and all. No, you want to save, you know, it's fun to save them problems. And so usually you get straight answers, but you've got to get the straight answers from people who know what they're talking about because they've tried a lot of different things. And also usually they're really good at explaining it because they've had to sort it through in their own mind. And what's funny about stuff is that usually the wrong thing can appear. Well, often let's say the wrong choice can appear to be exactly what you need to do. And it's like exactly not what you're supposed to do. And so it's easy to fall into these manholes, these holes in the road. And so if you're looking out for people that are coming on behind you, it makes you feel good. You know, it's a good thing. Have you ever done fox hunting? Not fox hunting. I've done deer hunting though. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, fox hunting, you're on the horses, you have the hounds, and you always have people coming behind you. And so they have where the hole, you know, where the hound, you know, beware. So it's like, where the hole, where the, you're always bewaring people mm-hmm. of dangers, you know, where the fence. And so that's kind of what it is when you have people asking you questions about how to come up a ladder. You, you like to warn them and uh, like to show them the tricks. And the mm-hmm. good thing is it helps you remind yourself of all this stuff because it's easy to kind of stuff to fade in the background. Oh, if mentors like, Yankees baseball legend Robert or Bob Turley and yeah. your, your company's founder Art Williams. I'm sure your next answers to my questions will be amazing <laughs> and entertaining. Who is the most impressive speaker and like you've listened to? You obviously mentioned conferences. There is anybody really straight for you? Uh, you were like, wow, that guy can talk and talk for days. Well, in my world, we all can talk and talk for days. You know, so where <laughs> you have to be, you know, like Bob Turley was an interesting talker, but. That wasn't the main thing. He was, he was an interesting talker because mm-hmm. he's an interesting person and he knew a lot of stuff. Art Williams is an interesting speaker because he's so incredibly motivating. He can get anybody to believe they can do anything. And he's very motivating to listen to. If he's talking to Congress, I promise you, if he spoke to Congress, they'd be jumping up and down and ready to uh, join the war on Ukraine <laughs> themselves. But He's just very motivating and he's good at creating a bond. You know, you feel like you're a part of something and you feel like he's speaking to you. So art's really good, but art can be terrible too. You know I mean? He can have his moments because I can remember early on, I'd bring him over to uh, speak, do some recruiting meetings for me every three weeks. You knew it was going to be great, but sometimes it'd take him 45 minutes to warm up because he'd had a busy day. He had to drive across Atlanta to come into the meeting, doing me a big favor. And so it kind of, his head was full of things. He's worn out. But after about 45 minutes, I would always sit off to the side and I could see whenever he went up on his toes, <laughs> it's like a plane flapping the wings, you know, ready for liftoff. You're like, here we go. But uh, from there on, it would be uh, just mind blowing. So great speakers come in all kind of packages. But the thing is, can they tell you, are they useful? And so over the years, I've found that it's almost impossible for me to listen to anybody speak unless they're funny. (laughs) If they're funny, okay, I'll listen. But other than that, I've just heard so many great speakers all my life. And I haven't really thought about who is the greatest speaker, but it's guys like that. It's people who have something to say and it's people who can speak to you. And they're not worried about themselves. 
a certain style of proven winners. Yeah, know. right. And then in your normal day-to-day life, who would you be listening to most? Who's your go-to concierge person to turn to? There's a thing that happens where I'm talking to my staff and colleagues as much. You learn, you're probably at this point. Yeah, after a certain point, you got the fundamentals. You've heard everything 400 different ways. And so you most of the things that I learn on a daily basis is from my own staff or colleagues where we're working on projects and we got problems to solve. And so you're in a situation, it's like you throw your best energy at it. Most of the time you come up with great solutions and everything. But when you get stuck hearing that other voice of people that are like-minded, educated in what you're doing, understand the project, I mean, you don't, you can get great ideas from anybody. And so, in fact, it's kind of amazing. In fact, we were building the financial services organization. You have so many decisions to make, so a rapid fire all day long. It gets exhausting, you know, to come up with all these things. And so I reached the point because I always found out they would make the team would push a program or an idea much harder if it was their idea. Mm rather than yours. You know, if you're Moses come down from the mountain, the manager is really in for a lot of trouble who thinks that Moses come down from the mountain, solve every problem. Here's what we're going to do. You know, it's like, well, that's great. But if you can get the team involved in coming up with a solution, even if it's not as great a plan, they'll probably get better results because it's, they feel ownership Mm -hmm. of it, you know? So I reached the point where I would just go in. I took, I said, okay, from now on, it's my job to spot the problems. (laughs) <laughs> and tell you guys about the problems and you're wanting to advance and one day get up to my position anyway. So you need to be thinking like this. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what I see coming. And if we don't make an adjustment or a change or an improvement, we're going to stall out. We need to do something. I don't know what it is. What do you guys think? <laughs> and usually you come up is, and I, it almost would always say the dumbest guy in the room could come up with the best idea. <laughs> so it doesn't matter really where the ideas come from. It matters that you're getting them. So at this stage, I learned so much from uh, the people around me or, and especially if I'm getting coaching in outside areas, you know, like mm. recreational type things or professional things. I'm into photography. I'm into painting. I'm into recreation at skiing. I used to be cycling until I had that accident but I still have all the ski coaches are my buddies. And so just talking to those people that do coaching all the time and they're competing is where I get a lot of ideas and a lot of things keep you on the road. But you got to, if you're going to say, stay sharp and keep getting sharper, you got to be trying to do stuff. I mean, Mm. you got to have goals and you got to have big goals and stuff that's bigger than you really know how to do. Cause if you know how to do it easy, it's going to be boring for you. And so it's like, that's why people climb bigger mountains so they can learn new things, see different things, push themselves, develop. And it's a great thing. It's not a bad thing. Normal people think you're a lunatic and you're selfish and you're wrong. You should be satisfied, satisfied. Well, you should be satisfied, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be pushing it forward because using what you've got to do bigger, better things. Why not do something greater? You know, that's where all the things we have that we enjoy in life came from. Somebody says, why couldn't that be better? Mm. Somebody 
didn't want to cook in the heat in the summer, came up with air conditioning, wanted something better, thank goodness. And so it's great because when you solve these problems, usually you come up with solutions and it benefits a whole bunch of people far beyond what you're thinking the impact would be. I think a lot of people talk about having coaches and mentors during your like formative time of your life. Do you feel it's important to have one throughout, even towards your latter years? Like, if or you just to grab as much as possible you, early yeah, on if, and then use it? Yeah, if you're trying to do something new and you're trying to do something different that you don't have, especially if you don't have the fundamentals as much and all. But I tell you what you do is, as you're successful, you develop colleagues around you, put mm. teams together, people who know how to do things at elite level. And none of us know everything. But you find that you need coaching, you need input, you need other eyes and ears, but it doesn't have to be a professional. You know, the thing mm-hmm. I'm not, I haven't seen personally the benefit, success, or whatever of a life coach, because a life coach, what have they done? You know, if I get a life coach, I want somebody to give me coaching on getting a particular thing done. And they've got a particular mountain of experience year, 30 years of working on such and so and so. They know where all the people are, where you know the publications are, where the retail outlets that sell the equipment you need, the best places in the world. Usually in anything where you're dealing the best in the world, there's just a few places where you can get the best of the best of the best, you know. But like shooting, you know, we go to wing shooting. I've done wing shooting and we're pheasant in Scotland, England, Ireland. And we go over, we always go over there to the uh, Holland and Holland store and the few stores in there to where Purdy's in London and I'll visit all the stores, get all of our equipment. And then we go because those stores aren't everywhere, especially they have a selection. Mm -hmm. So maybe now online and online is great, but it's better when you go see it in person, pick it up. But uh, yeah, it's hard to find at a high level. If you're just starting out, any old life coach will probably do. You know, it's just like Mm -hmm. kindergarten. Any teacher in the school (laughs) can teach you basic math, probably, or Mm -hmm. spelling or something like that. But when you get more advanced, you want people that have been there and done things. And uh, the more input keeps you sharper. And it's the one comforting thing is there's nothing new under the sun. So probably whatever you're struggling with, somebody's figured it out. Mm. and they're out there but you uh gotta go look for them or find them on the internet or youtube or somewhere but i don't think in terms of i do think you need coaching i think you need input and i think for the point of stretching it's just like why a bodybuilder has got to lift heavier and heavier weights if they're going to stretch their muscles and get uh, bigger and develop and if you're going to be a runner you have to run longer distances if you're going to develop your endurance. And that's why the Tour de France cyclists cycle during the off season. That's why they also go on the day off. You know, they 176 kilometers straight uphill, like two or three days in a row. And then they have a day off. What do they do? They go a 45-mile run, ride. <laughs> Relentless. <laughs> yeah. And just to keep the fluid circulating. So, if you're going to grow, you got to stretch yourself. And that's true mentally. And could be reading books, could be listening to tapes, could be friends. But you're going to get a lot of coaching from just reading. And mm. so, yeah, definitely. Otherwise, you know what? You go stale. You grow Very or true. die in every area of your life. 
And dying is gradual process. You go, you start to kind of lose momentum, lose the thrill, lose the enthusiasm, and then you start going. <laughs> and so the way you counteract that is you have bigger, fun things to go after, something you haven't done before. And that takes a little effort, but it adds so much to your life. You're, you're, it's your fault if you go into an, a just survival or existence mode. Now, mm. you've had, you know, recovering from surgery or your business went bankrupt and you had no, it was just either your fault or someone else's fault. You've got to recover from that, get back in your feet. Sure. You're in survival mode, but you can't stay in survival mode. You got to get to fight your way back up the ladder and go after great things or you're going to be a dud. I don't care if you're not going after something great, you're going to be a darn dud and you're not going to be any fun to be around. You're not going to be fun to be around for yourself. And so it's, you're an interesting person. If you've got an interesting life and if you're trying to do it, you know, you've done interesting things and you're in the process of doing interesting things. What do you got to look forward to next year after that? And so that's where I think is that's how I think as far as coaching, input, and whatever. You need more input if you're going to keep doing new things, bigger things. Absolutely. For those of you who are sick and tired of fooling around and are dead serious about wanting to move up fast, I've got something especially for you. I've combined the best insights from over 40 years in business and making $70 million in income and compressed them into a free webinar. That's right, it's a free resource. If you want to find out exactly what the concepts are that I use in coaching million-dollar earners, register now at WhiteLOnWinning.com. You'll discover the five-part framework used by so many to reach their financial, personal, and professional goals. You can find that link in this episode's show notes. As one of our producers, obviously, the podcast, Larry, I get to see a lot of the behind stuff, the scenes stuff, like, for yeah. example, discovering a lot of our listeners are around the 35 to 45 mark, similar to myself. I'm a self-stated fan of the podcast, obviously, as well. Um, so they're probably at that critical point in their lives where it's really about the growth, you know, where are they going next? Are they going to become a leader in their current company and start off on a journey of their own through an entrepreneurial group or right. whatever they so choose to do. Do you have any advice specifically for those younger professionals, especially bearing in mind, a lot of them usually are trying to balance enjoying a good life at the same time as having a family all combined together? Well, every situation is different, but what I would say is maximize where you are. As soon as you reach the top of where you are, new doors can open. It doesn't mean you leave your company, but new doors can open. And then maybe you'll start your own company. But you got to maximize it. And when I say maximize, I don't know what that means. But take advantage <laughs> of every possibility, every contact, every question you can ask, everything you can learn, every new skill. They need volunteers for things. and You can get it in your schedule kind of fill up your life with things you haven't done before, meeting new people, going new places. I would say get options on the table. That's what I would say at, as I was coming up, because that's what I, I did. I was like, and I followed my natural curiosity, Joe. You know, that's almost become a cliche with me now because I say it so much, but 
It's like, follow the darn breadcrumbs. And I could give you long stories about that. It's like, if something's out there and you wonder, hmm, what's that all about? Go check it out. Go check it out and find out what it's all about. And then see, we're like, well, if that's true, I wonder if this is true. I want to go check that out. But what you find is a lot of time finding the great job, the great opportunity where you're supposed to be is like a treasure hunt almost. <laughs> but there'll be like four or five, six or seven stages along the way. One thing leads to another. And I kind of think that's like an elimination process to see how serious you are about doing something, see if you will follow up. But mm-hmm. if you're going to be an entrepreneur, let me just talk to you. You're going to be a different person. Okay. Listen to me. You're going to be different. Because most of these dumbasses will not do anything. They will not pick. I mean, you can have a million dollars rolled up into a cigar. All they got to do is pick that up and stick it in their pot. Now they're a millionaire. They're too lazy to pick it up. What I'm saying is just like you say, if they say, Joe, I got a thing. It's magic. But if you will drink one glass of water every Monday at 10 a.m., your life will change. I can't tell you how, I can't tell you why, but I'll promise you, you drink a glass of water 10 a.m. every Monday, you say. And if you see other people doing it and it's working for them, still won't do it. It's just people will not do, I mean, you can have, I mean, there was a guy in North Carolina at the camera shop I bought stuff up and he's up there and he had a, you know, his wrist wrapped up and something arm with her. And I said, what the crap under you? Uh, an energy, whatever. And I said, well, you know, down about three, four blocks from here is a guy who's a miracle worker with injuries on things like that. I go see him all the time. You know, he's rolfing. And I said, these guys work differently with undoing knots in your body and tendons and get you loosen up. And right now, I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing without the last 20 years of rolfing. So anyway, I said, you know, he's down on this street over here. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, I've seen his car. He's got a tag that says, Rolf on it. And I always wondered what that was. I said, that's him. That's his house. He said, I drive by that every day. And I said, well, stop in, give him a call. Here's his number and let him at least look at it. See if I can. Never did. And he drives by it every darn day. And I can tell you story after story and you can tell him to me too. But if you're going to be Mr. Future Entrepreneur, Superstar, do something great in your life, you're a different person. You're the kind of person that does stuff. And when you see something that allow you to get ahead, you do it. You make the effort to meet that so-and-so. That person can help you. You find a way to meet them. You find a way to get in. You find a way. You figure it out. You figure out things so you can do things. But anyway, that's what I, that's some of what I would say. If you're, (laughs) you're working around me, but that's why. People, and I'll tell you this, in all honesty, it's just me, but I've had to work. I've had to dig all this stuff out of the earth. And so when people talk to me about how you do this, how you do that, I just tell them what works for me. And it's amazing how many people around me, I mean, they're like just by being around without even thinking about it because they kind of soak it all up. And so when you get in these winning patterns and you stay on the attack, man, good things can happen. But the main thing is, you follow up on all these things so you can improve every area of your life. You know, you can improve, get better. Because you say, if I'm going to be making three, four, five times the money, I've got to be three or four, five times better. 
It might take a little bit more out of me. I get this. I got to be better at scheduling. I can be better with people. I can't get as mad about this, that, and the other. I've got to get better. And I've got to develop my skill sets. And, and so stay on the attack like that. But like just in the obvious things, if you're not going to get take advantage of the obvious things, the stuff that's right behind the obvious things will never appear to you. And that's why you follow the breadcrumbs so you can see what's next. Not too much time spent thinking what if or what's yeah. coming next or should I choose different paths to stay in true to purpose? Right. So obviously, Larry, something I obviously like to do when I'm talking to people is obviously get to know them. Helps a wee bit. <laughs> On your website, I was having me nosy and I discovered obviously you spent some of your formative years traveling the world with your parents. This led you to Tuscany where you fell in love with art. Do you think that type of life led to any other aspects of your life that have been really influential or helped you really with what your passions are today? I think for me, yes. But I will say that not every dependent, military dependent, has that impact. I just, with my personality and how I was set up, my brother, you know, he's, I don't, or my sister, I don't think it had that kind of impact on them. I know a lot of people, or I know a few people from that era that I knew over in Italy and whatever, and they did pretty well and everything, but what it, I don't think it necessarily impacts you the same way. I think it's incredibly positive for kids to get those kind of exposures get past provincialism where they don't think where we went looking at leaves many years ago up in Vermont and stopped in this little store. And I was talking to the girl behind there and I said, well, where's this town Wilford? And she said, oh, it's five miles down there. And I said, is it worth going to? Is it pretty scenery down there? And she goes, I don't know. I've never been. She'd grown <laughs> up in this town five miles from Wilford. There's only one road, you know, in Vermont, there's not a lot of roads crisscrossing and going in this way. You know, you go north and south and occasionally got an east and west road. But uh, not a lot of places she could have gone if she got out of town. She never made it five miles south down to Wilford. And so that's the way a lot of people are. They just never go anywhere or do anything. So you cannot have a real well-rounded view. Plus, you can't believe what's possible. I guess the great thing about getting exposed to things like that is to see what is possible, see how people do live, people do these things. My attitudes are not the only way to look at situations. And so it does make you more flexible, makes you more open. And for me, I think it was mind-blowing, the experiences that happened because I was in that situation. But not for everybody, not for everybody. It's not going to be automatic, have that kind of impact, but Mm -hmm. it's the thing is, at least you have the chance for it to have an impact if you're there. And so, anyway, that's, I think it Absolutely. Was yeah. And it can Im- impact you in other ways, maybe personally rather than professionally sometimes as well. If it, For me personally, as listeners can hear, I'm Irish. Like many Irish people, I've lived abroad, followed that, what would you call it, the path where you're just going seeking things almost. And that didn't necessarily shape my professional life, but it certainly affected me as like a father and in a personal capacity. Do you feel like that's kind of helped you and your kind of, obviously your father yourself as well, Larry, has that helped make you who you are as far as a professional and a father or is it a bit of difference? Yeah, absolutely. Because again, with possibilities and options, automatically limit yourself to, I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to do this. Mm. You're aware of all the multitude of options that are out there. And when you start thinking about where you want to live, you start, sky's the limit. 
you know, you live anywhere. It's just a matter of, you know, relocate there, make the contacts and whatever. And it's just like, what will get you excited? Because when you have limited exposures, you don't, it's like, well, I got to get myself excited about milking the cows, you know, this, I'm always going to live on this farm. <laughs> and so the big town is hundred miles away. And so, you know, I can go down to the seven, like my grandfather down in South Georgia, they had one little store five miles down the road. That was, you, know, you go in there and get a candy bar and a Coke you know, and he'd go get cigarettes. But mm. beyond that, it's like, oh, you had to go <laughs> 30 miles. And so there weren't a lot of options if you want to switch things up in your life. But when you've had those exposures, I think it makes all the difference in the world for yourself and make your choices. But also when you're talking and where you visualize what's possible for your children, you're not limited in what your capacity for imagining what they would could do, you know, mm. if they really wanted to do. And so you're more likely to encourage them to step out or to do something that may sound crazy to someone who hasn't had those exposures. So the Irish do like the Australians and the New Zealand kids do. They take a year and uh, or two and just travel the world and see what the world is all about and then go back home and settle into a groove. I didn't know the Irish did that. Yeah, I follow the traditional path, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And then now, you know, I've got a six-year-old son. Now I'm currently trying to throw him into sports and follow that kind of similar yeah. tradition as well. Did you throw your kids into sports to try and feel their ambition or drive or did you try any of those things? I think that they did it, but when I did it, there wasn't a lot else to do because we were, when I was growing <laughs> up, most of the time I was in Europe, you know, and there was not that much for the American kids to do other than sports after school, you know. We didn't have bands and things like that. So that was the only thing really to do if you're going to do something. And so I was always in one sport or another. Now with them, they have more options. And so my kids grew up. Eventually they got into riding horses and other things, but they tried when they were young, like your son, like six, seven, eight, nine years old, they played football and those things. But, you know, it wasn't for them long term. They got interested in other things, and but they were always doing something. I think that's what you can do with your kids is you expose them to it and let them, you see what they gravitate to, see what they, you know, it was like, hey, or you're dragging them along. You know, that's never going to work. So mm. who knows? If you're not going to accept that God does it, who is it that puts mm. these desires inside of people? Like one guy wants to be a cyclist. You know, you listen to the Tour de France cyclists and they'll, you know, they'll have the personal profile and you'll have the guy say, you know, once I saw a bike, you know, that's all I ever want to do in my life. You know, I just want to be on a bike and this and the other. Well, I've been on the bikes and I was on it enough to where I had a massive 15 year accident that I'm still recovering from. And I would ride mountains with coaches and guys out in Aspen and ride up and down the highway, the ocean here on the East coast and Palm beach, going down to Boca and Miami and places like that. You know, I've done all that cycling, but you know what? It was never that big of a deal for me. It's like, I also have done, you know, if I got 140 hours in plane learning how to fly and I got to where I could solo and all, but some people are like, oh Lord, just to be up in the air, I feel free as a bird. Eh. I never felt any of that. Like on a cycling, the main thing that I liked about it is you could get a good workout and you didn't have to run. You know, that's, <laughs> but it was a lot, 
it was very dangerous, unfortunately. And uh, sooner or later, you're going to come to something suddenly, violently, unexpectedly smash you. And so that's the future for every writer. And if you say, uh, oh, that was just a one-time thing happened, you know, 15 years ago, so a one-time thing. No, the Tour de France writers are covered head to toe mm. with vicious scars. They've got broken everything. And so... No, the road for a cyclist is to be on the, you know, sooner or later, you're going to be on the ground because it's just, it's that kind of uh, activity, but you got to love it enough to where you can overcome that. The one thing that I really love was horses and riding show jumpers over fences and competing like that. That was worth all the broken bones and being broken L5 and kicked in the head and hematomas and broken clavicles and everything like that. It's like, who cares? But unfortunately, it's just so stifling to keep doing you got to uh, put so much time and energy. And after a while, it's like, I just wanted to do other things too in my life too. So I had to give it up. But still, if I had two lives, one of them would be riding horses, even at this stage of my life. <laughs> and so, but most people, it's what you're going to respond to. Now, why would I like riding? And then what you would like are riding horses. Well, somebody else like riding motorcycles. To me, you got to be insane to like ride, like ride motorcycles. First of all, the danger aspect. The other thing is there's a such a thing called bugs. <laughs> you get all these bugs in your face. You know, it's just like, no, thank you. And weather. And so put me inside of a car. If I want to feel the wind in my face, I'll get a convertible. But <laughs> other people are just as passionate about the motorcycles, you know. And the other thing is cigars. You got Michael Jordan and you got Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, it's like, what are these idiots doing to their lungs? But they love it. So like, why do some people love this? Some people love cats. Some people love dogs. You know, it's just like everybody's in. You know why you're entitled to pursue what you're interested in? Because you can't do anything about it. And it's not your fault. It was put in you. These things were put in us. And so you can sit there and be miserable and deny it, or you can pursue it. But we're all, we've all got places in life we're supposed to be sent to. But we're supposed to do well there, too. and. So with our kids, you can try and crowbar them into this or that or the other, but good luck if it's something they don't want to do. Eventually, they're going to come out of it. And so that's what I would say about those kind of exposures. Million Dollar Mastermind, as always, is brought to you by Larry Wydell. To find out more about winning strategies, and definitely check his webinar out. It helps others break the million dollar barrier every year. Visit wydellonwinning.com. And for the podcast, make sure to search for Million Dollar Mastermind with Larry Wydell and wherever podcasts are found. Please leave a nice comment on there or a harsh comment, if you will. And we'll be sure to give you a shout out in the future episode. Thanks very much on behalf of the team. Thanks very much for listening.